We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. During this bye week, we're here to talk about the halfway point of the season. And always, as always, with me is my co-host, Andy. Andy, how you doing? Doing great. Alive after the Oregon game, so can't complain. Yeah, we, yeah, we are, are record- recording this after the Oregon game, uh, but this will be... If you're listening to this, you're listening to this during the bye week, so... It's a week, a week before, but not only is it just the two of us, we have a very special guest with us today. We have a, we have a Cal football uh, alumni here with us with a little intro for him. Uh, he was a top 10, he's a top 10 career in passing yards and also in single season. He's a top 10 in the record books in passing touchdowns in his career and uh, he is also the top 10 player in total offensive yards in his career and in a single season and is also top five i believe in total touchdowns in his career and we have with us kevin riley kevin how you doing welcome to the bearcat thank you guys i appreciate it um very excited to be here love watching you guys' stuff on cal football and uh the last little bit was Sadly, the last quarterback to beat Stanford, which is just depressing. Oh, but we we do remember you. We do remember that year. I mean, there's been I think two. We we talked about this step, but there's been two graduating like full circulation of Cal students that have not seen us with the axe, which is depressing if you put it into into that perspective as well. But. Yeah, sorry. We have some technical difficulties here, so you're gonna you might hear us echo in this a little bit, but bear with us. Uh, but we'll get right to it. I think what we're gonna do here is um, the first twenty minutes or so. We're just gonna talk to Kevin about his playing time and his time at Cal, and then we're gonna move on to talking about the midway point in the in the season. Talk about our expectations so far, what we expect for the latter half of the season, and some other topics along that route. But uh, for starters, um, my first question to you, Kevin, is your time at Cal. Do you do you have a favorite restaurant? Like, do you still go back? And is there one place you you always have to go visit? 
I do um, love food. Um, for any recruits that listen to this, there's no better food place in a college town than Berkeley. But uh, I'd have to go say I go back to a few spots. Um, always enjoyed Brazil Cafe, the Pedro's favorite tri-tip sandwich. Um, Greg Waz potato puffs with the aioli. Those always got me. It's in North Berkeley. Um, and a random spot kind of by my old place on Fulton, but it's a easy stop deli would have fresh turkey sandwiches um, that were rotisserie style. So that was always a good one too. And it was pretty affordable for a college kid. So those are some solid picks. Those are, and Andy is, is going off in the chat right now saying yes and double yes. (laughs) Uh, But Andy, I'll toss to you. Your turn to ask Kevin a question. All right, sweet. Um, So I guess we're jumping right into it. Well, actually, why don't we keep it with the uh, going back theme? So you mentioned the, I think it was the 09 uh, big game, but like, what would be your favorite game from your playing time at Cal? 09 big game for sure. Um, great environment at Stanford. It was more Cal people than Stanford, which I think any Cal fan knows that Stanford fans are the worst. But um, just starting that game down 14-0 nothing really going right and then us just physically dominating them grinded out drives um especially when they i think they had back-to-back wins at arizona and the jim harbach Pete carroll what's your deal game and uh it was that that was just a fun game especially against your rival but there's a there's a lot of games in there um even 08 year 09 we had some we had a good run there after we lost back to back to Oregon and SC and had some good wins um but yeah it's great time every game besides the losses were always fun did you know that Tiger Woods was in the audience for that game or did you find out after I found out after, but I mean, ever since that was the start of his downfall. I think it was the next week where him and his wife had their falling out and then his golf game went down the drain. So I let everybody know that as well. So that's a, that's a, that's a good one. That's, that's a hell of a resume booster right there. Not only did you beat Stanford, but then you also took down Tiger Woods. <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got one for you. Do you, do you have any non football related memory that you know that you can point to during your time at Cal uh so many uh it's tough I mean obviously the biggest is meeting my wife um and uh still living in the Bay Area but uh I mean just the lifelong relationships with everybody in the Cal community not just the football players but every all groups from Cal I mean I left home and I haven't moved back so there's a there's a reason and uh, fell in love with Cal on my first visit and the Bay Area in general. So, all right, Andy, you got yeah. one. Yeah, how many games are? I mean, do you make it back to now that you're still in the Bay Area? Is, is that right? Yeah, live in a lived in the city uh, for a while, and I'm actually up in a Sausalito now. So no no complaints. I have a nice little view, but um, I go back. It depends on the year, but I usually go back to two to three games a year. I would say, um, and then you know, I sometimes I get a little flustered. It's almost like watching it by myself, but uh, it's always fun to go back. And I usually go back with uh, ex players as well. So. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the uh, the solo watch. That's how I was I was watching that Washington game solo. I my wife. I don't know if she exactly likes to hang out with me anymore when I watch Cal games. Just 
It's just a stressful uh, experience yeah. <laughs> for everybody involved. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Um, I guess we'll lead into our next question. I, I think, you know, your playing days, I mean, honestly, all, all three of us were, were in our 30s now. And it, it's, no, I think no one really knows what it's like to be a Power 5 quarterback. And I think when I was definitely in college, like, I looked at those football players and were, they didn't feel like college students to me. Um, they felt like something more than that. But for you as a college football player, and especially a Power 5 quarterback, like, what's the preparation like beyond just practice? Like, how much time are you putting in, in, you know, your spare time, like, you know, when you were a starter versus when you were a backup, uh, just like some of those differences and, and what the, what the weekly, you know, quarterback goes through. Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting. Like I was going through it and looking back at it and I'm like, Oh man, that was a lot busier then than I am now. But, uh, you know, your basic day, um, from starting, which was a long time for me, you have about six to eight hours, I would say at the stadium. Um, when we were there, that includes, I mean, meals included, but your workouts, your meetings, and I don't know if meetings are the same now as they were then, but coach Tedford was a big meeting guy where we usually had at least an hour and a half during the season or maybe 45 minutes to an hour, uh, towards the later years, uh, before practice. Um, and then you have like a little afternoon practice, uh, meeting as well. And then besides that, I would say it probably averaged about, um, season wise, two hours of film by myself for an hour and a half to two hours of film a night um with that and then obviously you have all your classes during the day and got to take care of school as well so it's it's a definitely a long day and then off season wise uh it's just more time training and uh it's but you obviously practices and gosh spring ball when i was there i think we still had meetings every day but uh it was um probably three to four hours less a day than it is during the season. And then if you get injured, obviously you have the rehab aspect of it. So that's at least an hour of extra rehab a day or more, um, depending on how severe your injuries. And if you got to loosen up before practice and post-practice rehab as well. Um, it was, they were long days and, uh, I feel bad for the guys who got hit every single day. Um, cause our practices were pretty physical when we were there as well. So the, the box guys definitely felt it. And I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> Just throwing the ball every day to them. So, um, that I would say that's your typical day. And then for a D one quarterback, if people are interested in it, um, for extra film study, we, I kind of set it up as the way we did weekly practices. So our Mondays were kind of first second down overall game plan we'd put in but we wouldn't really practice all the third down concepts or red zone concepts that early in the week so it'd be more you watch a couple full game of film monday night by myself um usually teams that kind of mirror you um run similar formations and everything like that you also look at formation uh group of film so a lot of our film was i mean we had concept was Washington a lot, but we watched a lot of Stanford, Oregon State, um, SC, and things like that during that time um, to kind of go off other teams' defenses. Uh, Tuesday would be a little goal line third down, and Wednesday was a big goal line third down as well. And then Thursday night would be a full game or like a half and a half of games. You've watched so much film at that time already, you are, um, you know, you know, should be prepared, but you still watch a little bit more. Um, and that was kind of your week. Yeah, I mean, 
Just hearing that and also just talking to the players, you know, on the team right now, I mean, it's incredible what you guys do, not just on the field, but like the practice. And you still go to class like the rest of us, which which is even more baffling considering like all the work that you guys did that early in the morning or, or after school and, and all those workouts. Like, man, I I definitely could not be able to do that. Um, it takes it takes, I think, a special type of perseverance and and like want to be that good at a specific craft. Man, that's incredible. Uh, but I will toss it to Andy uh, for his... I think he's got another question for you. Yeah, so uh, bringing it a little bit more... Well, I guess um, if we want to revisit the 07 season... Okay. What was it... <laughs> what was it like? Not. I mean, all right, so let's flashback, right? So we had the Oregon game. Uh, Nate gets hurt. What was it like coming into that environment in Autzen? And then from there on out, like taking over, kind of like going through the balance of the rest of that season where it sort of wasn't totally clear, like what, who the starter was. I mean, anything you can kind of shed light on there would be super interesting. Yeah, so 07 was interesting too because during fall camp, um, we had another quarterback on the roster named Kyle Reed. Um, and there was really competition for second string. And I beat out Kyle and he transferred to San Jose State. Um, but going into that, our practices with Tedford originally during those years was about 80-20. So you go 10 reps, uh, first string would get eight, and then second string would get second uh, or get two. And so when Nate got hurt in that Oregon game, they put me in in the fourth quarter. I think we were up seven or something like that. But I could say um, I definitely was ready, but wasn't. I mean, that was a big atmosphere to go into. And if I had to finish that one, it would have been interesting as well. I mean, I think uh, I ran one play. It was like third and 15, and we tried to run like a little trap inside. And I can't remember which D-tackle almost like stole the handoff from me. But that was the only play I played in that game. And uh, we had a bye week after that, and I knew there was a chance I was going to play against Oregon State. Um, they didn't really uh, – you know, we, I go through it. So we had a bye week. So I'm getting all the reps. Um, you know, coach Daft, who was quarterbacks coach at that time, took extra time with me. Um, and, uh, and I spent extra time obviously after hours with him going through the plan and then the next week, but I didn't find out I was starting until after pregame warmup when we went back into the locker room. That's when I found out I was going to play that game against Oregon state. Goodness. So it was very last minute. Yeah, that's kind of how uh, Coach rolled at that time. So maybe been better, you know, like not thinking as much. Maybe that was his thought process on it. But I, I went into that game thinking I was going to play the whole time. So that makes me wonder, like Mike Riley was obviously uh, a really a, kind of like a nightmare for, for us for a long time. Was there any other coach out there in your tenure that you kind of went up against that was just like you knew it was going to be like a tough game? Yeah, you know, I, th I think people forget at that time, Oregon State, you know, in the later years of my career, their defense wasn't as good, even though we struggled against them. But early on in that, even the year before I played, 06, 07, 08, they had, I think 07, they had a top 10 defense in the country. Um, they always go those wide ends and super athletic. Their linebackers can move. Uh, they're a good team. I mean, obviously, we always struggled with SC. That was a combo of them being really good and I think us just psyching ourselves out a little bit. Um, Oregon became 
tough with Chip, even though my senior year when I was injured, our defense played a hell of a game. Um, I think if I play in that one, we're winning for sure. Um, but uh, there was – I'm thinking those are really the only ones um, I would say that going in. And weirdly, Oregon State was just one of those pain-in-the-ass games that we struggled with. All right. I guess it's it's back to me. Um, I guess to tie all this talk back, um, I don't know if you've been back and you know maybe seen practice or, or talked to the, the staff or the players, but if you have, do you have any impressions of the current staff to any like similarities you see with your time with Tedford at the program? Just because we know Wilcox was you know a grad assistant um, and coached under Tedford for a few years here as well. Yeah, so Wilcox was actually my area recruiter during the recruiting process. I mean, Coach Tedford really recruited me, but he was my everyday contact if I had anything. So I actually got to know Justin pretty well, and him being from Oregon, it made sense. Um, and then uh, with the practices, I went his first spring, um, watched the practices, watched the teams compete, and I heard it was pretty similar um, to some of the older guys I talked to when Tedford first got there, kind of changing – changing the program, making people work, um, having everybody just compete. There's no one on the team getting more slack. You could be the best player or the worst player. Like it doesn't matter. Everybody's treated the same, which I think Justin did a good job of taking that from coach Peterson, which I, you know, just from outside perspective watching, I mean, look at his first year at UW, how he kicked off, I think the two top two players. And then the next year, the top player off his team and they're, really good players in the NFL now, but I think that's the way you can keep it every year and year out consistency with young guys, teaching them what it's like at the school. Um, and then uh, in terms of the staff, I, I, if Cal fans aren't impressed with the team and the character of the team, then I, you know, <laughs> I don't know where you'd be happy about, uh, you know, anything like that. And, uh, but, uh, I love the staff. Hopefully we can keep them together as long as possible. It's going to be tough. They have a lot of top coaches that a lot of top schools in the country are going to go after. And as I think all the Cal community knows, it's kind of tough to keep hold of those top guys with money and living in the Bay area. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Andy? Andy. Yeah. So we've touched on this kind of a little bit, um, but if you, you know, let's fast forward to this season and what we saw at ASU, uh, when we saw Modster kind of come in, uh, when Chase went out, which with what I think at this point was broken collarbone, what is it like to hop into that type of situation and what type of challenges, you know, does someone like Modster face and how long do you think? is really fair to kind of give him to be, let's say like ramped up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always a different situation going into a game from an injury. Um, I don't think you, you know, you obviously mentally prepare as best as you can as the backup, um, and seeing Chase get hurt, which I think was a broken collarbone as well. I've done it twice in my life and that's what it looked like. Um, but, uh, 
it's just tough. I mean, Arizona State does have a solid defense. Besides the Colorado game, I mean, they've looked pretty good. I know Michigan State struggles on offense, but, I mean, you hold the Big Ten team at Michigan's at their home field to seven points or whatever it was. You're, you're solid, and you have some good players. And uh, it just looks like he went in there, and, um, you know, that first pick probably rattled him a little bit. Uh, bad decision on that cover two throw. Um, just put a little too much air on it. Um, but I mean, against Oregon, he played a lot better. Oregon has a really good defense and we are pretty banged up, but, uh, you could, you could tell he threw the ball a lot better and with more confidence last week, um, against a better opponent than he did the week before. So I think he'll improve and that's with one week of practice. And I don't think the, I think the bye week came at a perfect time for him to get a lot of the reps and continue to improve. And I don't know when the eligibility thing was in question if he was taking reps, but that obviously affects his growth with the program as well. Is there any uh, like advice that you'd have from like one court, one Cal quarterback to the other about, uh, yeah, I don't know any advice that you might have for him. Yeah. I mean, the best advice would just be get with your coach and uh, go over the game plan, making sure you're solid. And, you know, it's just kind of like when you start a new job or something like that, just asking as many questions as possible, being prepared as possible, having great practices, um, continue to watch film, just have no question um, about the game plan and any situation. Um, and just know that your teammates are behind you. And if you make a mistake, it's whatever that's that's the biggest thing is mistakes happen in games and you just gotta go in next series with the same confidence and uh you know when you start playing trying not to make a mistake you can see the you know just the downplay in terms of like timing and everything like that with a quarterback all right yeah uh i got a question for you um you know Last season, especially with the quarterbacks, after Ross went down, we had this whole thing of like this going back between two guys just because they had different skill sets and experience, and you know it was neither here nor there, and it, it you know and all culminated in in the now infamous Cheez It Bowl. Uh, but I think you kind of went through that. If I'm looking at the stats correctly, from if my memory serves me right too, you kind of went through that in in '08 as well, like. In, when you're in that type of situation where, you know, as you said, you're getting ready to play no matter what, but does it does it mess with, like, your rhythm or your confidence just because, like, you don't know if you're going to go in on the next drive or the next play or if, if, another, if the other guy is about to get in? Like, how did, from a quarterback's view, like, what did you kind of see from the situation with the quarterbacks from last season? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, 08 was very different in terms of, you know, going into the year, me being named starter over Nate, but Nate playing in the second quarter and, uh, you know, who knows if Nate didn't throw those two picks, who knows what would have happened after that. But, uh, you know, going the next games, uh, I think I got benched against Colorado in the third quarter when we were winning like 42 to three or something like that. Um, so that d definitely was like shook my confidence a little bit being like, Oh man, like it doesn't matter how the team's playing. It's individual. And then I think Nate played a game and a half and then he got benched in the third or fourth quarter. And they were kind of like, Hey, Kevin, make some magic, go do some things. And when I went in, in those situations in the third and fourth quarter, it was, you know, we were behind. So we opened up the playbook and it was, 
you know, you couldn't really hold back. So you kind of had to throw and the other team knew you were throwing as well. Um, they started bringing like blitz pressures and things like that. So it's definitely a difficult situation, but it's the hand you're dealt and you got to deal with that. And I think uh, Chase in that bowl game, obviously, I don't know if he had bad practices leading up to the bowl game, but I mean, I haven't watched their film, but I mean, from the game, those picks were bad. I mean, they were, you know, triple coverage, misreads, you could tell. Um, so the coaches probably just lost a little confidence and weren't trying to do something else in that situation. But, uh, you know, Chase was playing a lot better this year, um, especially in his last few games, as the coaches have mentioned and everybody has mentioned. Uh, he definitely looked like he was coming into his own, throwing with timing, throwing with more confidence. I mean, you could see the ball coming off with better zip in his hand um, as well. So it's, it's a bummer that he got injured at his time as well. Andy, to you? Yeah, I'm just off that, like, what was your reaction to the North Texas game? And then what was your reaction to the Ole Miss game? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you listened listen to the podcast, but we had a pretty, like, down podcast after the North Texas game where it seemed like Chase was just refusing, outright refusing to throw the football. And then literally a week later, it was like slinging it out there against Ole Miss, best game as Cal Bear by far. Um, so I was curious, like what your read was on that, like week to week progression. Yeah. I mean, it looked like North Texas. I think they run like a old BYU style, like three, three, five, which is definitely a different look and not a ton of people are running that as much, which Oregon actually ran it a little bit as well, but, um, it just looked like, and again, it's hard. I didn't go to the game. I was out of town, but from the TV copy, uh, just, lack of confidence questioning it and i think you could see some guys were open but it was like almost where he got to that second window and just held on to it um and then the next week you know the reads were there he got down to his third read from his first like progression reads thrown with confidence so uh it was it was a you know i wasn't expecting it initially i knew he needed to play like that for us to win and he did and he looked good the whole entire game, um, looked comfortable. He always seems calm and collected, which is great. Um, so I think he just uh, had a good week of practice, had a good week of film, and felt confident going into that game. And North Texas probably just did some things that he wasn't expecting and uh, just didn't have a ton of confidence in his reads that game, that's my guess. Is there any player uh, on staff right or on the team right now that's like your absolute favorite? I think he's everybody's favorite, but I do enjoy watching Weaver. Um, and not just from, like, obviously he's such a great linebacker, um, but more just from his attitude of, like, after that game, having the team not quit. Um, heard he's a great locker room guy, and after your quarterback gets injured, um, pushing people up. I love all the secondary. Um, I mean, obviously defense is fun to watch. And offense, guys have improved drastically, I think. Even though we may not be showing it in points, I think our offense is better than it is than it was last year. Um, last year we did some good things, but it just more it seems more consistent. And with how many injuries we've had, it's really hard to judge. So, um. All right. Um, I guess we should wrap up this and actually talk about the, the season so far. Uh, but I think the last question we kind of have for you is, you know, this, this thing of uh, the new endorsement deal that's been passed around, or not been passed around, but has recently been passed. 
and the topic has been passed around and, and talked about to various coaches um, across college football and college basketball as well with basketball season uh, quickly approaching. Um, we wanted to ask, what kind of endorsements would you have done if this deal, uh, if this endorsement deal was available for you at the time? Um, and is there like any specific places maybe in Berkeley or the Bay Area that you would have loved to like put your name, likeness, or, or image up with? Yeah, um, it's a different. <sighs> Thinking about it now, actually doing endorsements, and this discussion's been going on for so long um, with the likeness, and I don't know what that does with like jersey sales or anything like that as well. But local endorsements. If I was in school and like you could relate it, I'm guessing it'd probably just be some local food spots, you know, with the Brazil Cafe owner trying to do some with that, so I can get free sandwiches if that was possible. Um, but uh, Buffalo Exchange, maybe down there on Telegraph, that's where I bought my hand-me-down clothes that I needed. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I probably would have tried to get with some tech company that's uh, you know starting up somewhere to get a little endorsement deals is there as well. I mean, if if kids want to, the Bay Area is the best place to get endorsements with all the companies that are everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's a, that's a very that's a tough question. Um, I would have liked. I mean, money from jerseys would have been great, though. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't do, do it anymore. But you know, they used to every year when they printed out the new jerseys, it'd be a number of one of the guys that that was pre hyped that year. You know, whether it was your number thirteen or or uh, Keenan's twenty one or Javid's number four or, or uh, I believe I believe I have a gold Zach Follett jersey somewhere as well. Um, yeah, 34, Andy's typing in at 56, 13, yeah, all those numbers. I mean, they don't do that anymore. They just go with the, the year number. But, um, yeah, that's, it's interesting to hear that conversation. But let's pivot there and talk about the season. Um, I'm going to leave it to you two guys to talk about the season. I'm just going to direct the conversation uh, today. So, first off, um, I guess I'll, I'll toss it to Andy um, just because... You know, he's he's the co-host, and I think uh, it'll help Kevin just get into a bit of a rhythm of, of how to and what to talk about. So the first six games of the season, I want your, your reactions and thoughts, Andy. Okay, perfect timing, because I had to sit with 19 Ducks fans at the Oregon game this weekend, and a full section of Oregon fans, too. So that was quite the experience to kind of temper my expectations with. But um, it's... It's really hard for me right now. I've like spent most of yesterday on my flight home trying to assess where everything is at. And I'm overwhelmingly positive with it because the team's four and two. But it is one of those like it is one of those things where like you start looking at your eight my eight win expectation. And so like we have to do some good things for the rest of the year. You know, um, I think I saw that Cal there's a couple projections for them to go five and four in conference. That means some pretty big wins. And it probably means beating Stanford. So uh, I'm looking too far ahead. But to go back, the biggest surprise is easily beating Washington at Washington. Didn't expect it early in the year. Uh, at first, I was going to be like, thank goodness we got them early. And then Washington goes to Stanford and looks terrible. And now I'm like, we would have beaten them anyways. <laughs> so uh, 
Yeah, who knows about that. And then uh, I think that this Oregon game is like, there's no way we can talk about the first half of this year and not talk about the ridiculous amount of injuries that we've had. And like, see, like watching uh, Mike Safel like leave on a cart out of that, and like I didn't even see it in the stands, and then I saw him just leaving on a cart, and was just like, oh my goodness, our O line is depleted. Our uh, both of our running backs are hurt in some form. We lost our starting quarterback. We lost Kakoa Crawford. Uh, you know, it doesn't even take into account McCallan Castle's leaving the program. And then uh, you also have, you know, other nicks and injuries that we don't even know about. So, um, you know, Stephen Coots is somebody that I projected to win us a game this year in my hot fire projections. And it seems like he's not kicking the same way. Uh, And he's doing these kicks that are reliant on big roles. And so, it's just been really fascinating to watch how much injuries have played out, and yet we're four and two. And you know, eight regular season wins are totally reasonable uh, to expect, and potentially a bull win. So, I think I'm right where I would hope to be. But it's just a crazy thing how kind of expectations can kind of weigh on you throughout the course of a season. And Kevin, Kevin? yep, yep. No, no, I. I... Yeah, I have to agree with you. It is. It's hard to assess. I mean, we win ugly, but we win, um, and that's something I think you look at all the games. And Washington was a great win. Um, our defense stepped up big, and offense had one drive when we needed to have a drive. Uh, Oregon was going to be tough with the injuries, and then, like you said, with Saffle getting hurt, um, that that just uh, made it even harder. Um, I, I had eight wins as a prediction as well. And and the hard thing is, like, every game you go into with Cal, I mean, I think besides if we played the big four, um, I think we could beat anybody. I mean, that's just kind of how this team plays. And um, we need to get healthier. Um, and it's going to be tougher if we lose more bodies. Um, the guys have stepped up and played well when they can't, uh, you know, when they get an opportunity. Um, offensively, obviously, we need to, create more points um we can't depend on the defense to have so many red zone slash our side of the field stops um i think there's just going to be a couple games where you know we need to definitely definitely need to score more um and uh the biggest thing for our offense with that is just penalties i think we can move the ball in all the games but once our offense gets any type of backward movement i don't think we've I would like to see the stats on t- touchdowns and either false start or holding penalties because I think in the last few years it's you know probably somewhere around like five percent success rate in scoring. Um, so that's that. I would say that's the biggest thing. But uh, get healthy and grow some confidence in this bye week with the guys that we currently do have will be very beneficial. All right, with that, with I'll that, pass it to Andy. Um, um, since Kevin, Kevin talked talk, talk, talk about, about the offense, offense, so I'll give it to you so you can talk about the offense. Yeah, I actually had a quick question to kind of start off with. Kevin, I know, like, uh, at least when I was with the team, like Andy Ludwig was the offensive coordinator. Uh, like, who was your favorite offensive coordinator to work with? And then when you look at the offense that we've run in the Bo Baldwin era, is there any – aspect of it that kind of like drives you crazy that we don't do that one thing 
Yeah. Um, geez, I had four OCs in five years. So, um, all of them did things I liked, uh, Dunbar and Oh six. I didn't ever, I didn't get to work with them, but I liked the offense that year. They opened it up a little bit more. Um, and then uh, 07 was, I think, technically Mahalachek, but Tedford was really the OC. And uh, with Daft as well, they just had the game plan all together. And then it was Signetti my second year. Um, and uh, that year, we ran the ball really well. We threw it okay, but we had a great O-line, and our skill position players were were good players, but they were young. And you could see that junior year, like my 09 year there were, a lot more improved than 08 and uh but i would say 09 10 obviously i was the most comfortable i was the most experienced um we did some good things in the run and pass game um this offense is a little different i just feel like sometimes we get into a rhythm and then we'll have things moving and then we'll disappear for a quarter and a half um so I think that's something we need to continue to do a little bit more play action stuff. And we never do any boots or nakeds or anything like that, which I don't get with the quarterbacks we have. Um, that's one thing I'd like to see, like a little bit more movement, especially with how young the O-line is or all the injuries to the O-line. I think that would definitely take off some pressure with the blitzing that occurs and everything like that as well. Um, and it's a lot easier for the receivers to make a little movement and get towards the outside. And if no one's open, the guy can either scramble or throw the ball away for not a negative play. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of that, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, just like consistency when we're running the ball well to throw in a little play action and, uh, take a shot in there with any type of progression read with like skinny underneath or whatever it be besides you know i think our deep game is mostly all fades always so i'd like to see a little bit more movement with that as well yeah so that's exactly like what i that's what i feel like rob and i have been kind of uh hoping for was that we would you know, use more play action because it feels like when we do it, and there was one particular play in the Oregon game where I believe we did run play action and it did work and we just missed it. Um, I think we missed the throw, like barely. But is it, you know, do you know if it's one of those things where because we do run the RPO that we sort of feel like we don't need to run with play action? Can those two things exist together and both be effective? I think they can, um, you know, it's definitely different and it's a lot more pressure on the O-linemen. I'll play actions. The route concepts take a little bit longer. So that, that could be a portion as well. They just don't have a ton of confidence in blocking for a little bit longer of time. Um, but, uh, I think with what we're doing on offense, it makes sense to do it a little bit more because we have some good backs, even though our, like I said, our backup was out last week. Uh, Dancy was a good player, but uh, it, it, I think teams are focused on our run game and we should definitely be able to take a couple shots that way in the game, which takes a lot more of the safe, the other team safeties out of the play and just opens up the field. Um, but you know, it's a lot easier <laughs> as we know uh, from watching TV or things like that than uh being on the sideline and uh, going through it and knowing everything they know as well. So, but uh, that would be my one com negative I would say is that you'd like to see a couple more um, shots and even not even shots, but just 
progression reads, flood routes on the sidelines or something like that because it seems like our guys are a little more comfortable throwing over the sideline than they are in the middle anyway. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and I think that as a whole, if you're going to look at the offense right now, it's Rob, I'd say it's really hard to judge. Uh, and it's, you know, if you're going to kind of have a reaction to it, like the whole time I was like talking myself off this ledge of like, okay, the offense is broken. It's been broken for a while. We should fix it with some more moves. And then I'm like, well, we also kind of started to see it work and we've never really had it healthy this year. So it starts to become one of those things that's really, really challenging to judge. And so if I guess I had to look at the first six games and look at the offense, I've been pleasantly surprised with our receivers. Trevin Clark has been awesome. Uh, Crawford was surprisingly good when he's been in the game. Uh, like Hawkins, Jeremiah Hawkins has made some pretty good plays and had opportunities to make even bigger plays. Um, and then even you know what we've seen in the absence of McCallan Castles, we've seen some good plays by Tonjus. So overall, like when we can get the ball out, there's been some pretty great things. There are good things happening this year that I didn't see last year. And I think we're way better at blocking as well from the wide receiver position. And then the running game has kind of been absent. Um, but I have a feeling it's just because teams are keying in uh, on the fact that we do have two good runners. Like that's the scouting report that every broadcast has is like Cal has two big runners or like one big runner and the other is really shifty and they're really good. And then oh, we just kind of run into these brick walls on the defensive line, on the defensive line and our own lines beat up. But everything else, it's like hard to judge too much of the offense. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Kevin. Yeah, I would say from last year, it's been a huge improvement in terms of skill players. Um, obviously, um, Laird's a stud, and um, you can see that with the preseason, the NFL, and everything like that. But you have a great, great two backs, um, and also I think it's tough with the run game with all the O linemen out. I mean, it's uh, you know like you can't. It's hard to gauge where we're at as a running team. I think what is there three starters out now and like five guys total? I don't I don't know for sure. But um the receiver guys, uh, you know, obviously besides a couple drops here and like but they they've been making plays. They've been getting open. Um they've been getting downfield pass guys that we haven't seen in the past. Um I th I think they've played really well and they stepped up and obviously they had good off seasons together. And that's where I think this bye week and uh you know, getting two weeks to prepare for our next game against Oregon State, who, I mean, let's hope we score 35 points at least against these guys. And obviously they're improved team and their offense looks pretty good. But, uh, you know, this is a game where we could see, um, you know, where we come out with the second half of the season. <laughs> and uh, I, but I, I have been impressed with the skill guys. I was a little worried um, going into the year, but uh, everybody stepped up. And like you said, every person has made plays. And uh, it's too bad the Castle's kid transferred, but, uh, you know, he has his reasons. But the kids that have been played in this place have definitely stepped up. And I don't think we've I've seen a tight end make a play like that like he did against Ole Miss in, in a long time. And uh, like, he's athletic, and you'll only get better with more practice as well. All right, we talked about the offense. Uh, we got to turn to the other side of the ball, which I think is definitely the strength of this team. So I want your guys' thoughts on the defense so far. Have they lived up to your expectations? What could they improve uh, for the back half of the season? And any other thoughts? So I guess I'll toss this to Andy first. 
lived up to expectations, yes. Um, I think that, you know, this past week was the week where I was like, the defense, everyone was like, what's wrong with defense? What's wrong with defense? They're not getting the same turnovers that they were getting before. Rob and I, you, like you and I discussed this, like teams aren't going to just know that there's a really good secondary and just continue to throw at it. Um, and so, yeah, we've struggled against the run a little bit. So I think that's where we've seen, you know, the need for improvement, like D-line. Um, we miss Palmer more than I thought we would. Um, you know, we also talked about hoping to see guys like Lone and, um, and Maldonado or like these guys step up and, we just haven't seen it on the D line as much um, other than the freak that is Brett Johnson. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, so I think the, the one area for improvement is just kind of like we've been playing this bend, not break style of defense. And that's okay because I, right, you know, we have amazing talented players that can step up and make a play like Ashton Davis made uh, or make a play like Trey Turner made last game. And, they played fantastic against Oregon. So there's reason to believe that just like the season prior, they're kind of coming into their own and going to start being maybe a little bit more aggressive about getting the ball out and that type of stuff. So all in all, I don't know. I'm like pretty, I know that's, there's definitely an audience out there that's a little underwhelmed by it, but I'd say, you know, top 25 S and P plus defense. What more can you really expect? Like that's exactly where we thought we'd be. Um, if not, you know, maybe we thought we were going to be top five, but there's still plenty of time to get there. So, yeah, I, I'm super pleased with the defense. I just don't know if there's any complaint that I really have with them. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, I think the expectations were so high for some people in terms of turnovers, if they can, like, repeat what they did last year. Um you know, and they still could create more turnovers, but they're they're playing great. And I'd like to see the statistics from the top twenty-five defenses in terms of like time of possession on the field. Um, you know, like I said, when our offense goes missing, sometimes we put a lot of pressure on our defense to sustain that success throughout a game, and uh, they've risen to the occasion <laughs> very impressively. And uh, you know, especially last game, um, I, I don't know. I that, like I said, that game I think could have been. Could have gotten ugly out of uh, early if it wasn't for our defense making plays, getting stiff within the, you know, inside the 30-yard line. And I think you see, like, Washington's defense the previous years. That's kind of what our defense looks like now. And uh, the Johnson kid's a stud. Um, I like everybody on the defense. Uh, my one thing, I guess, would say, like, for run game is just missing that interior big boy that's going to eat up two guys every single play and open up the linebackers a little bit more. And I'd say that's the only thing um, that we we've been missing a little bit more than last year is, uh, you know, you're seeing the, the movement uh, get up to our second level a little bit more than last year. And uh, last year, our linebackers were running a little bit more free downhill to make plays. Um, but you can't complain. Um, with our defense at all. And, you know, they're, they're going to get more healthy with the bye week as well. And uh, I think they're going to come out very strong against a pretty solid Oregon state team. Who I think Oregon state will struggle again against our defense. So was there an interior D lineman, like when you were with the team that like really, like who played that role for the teams that you were with? Yeah, we had a few guys. I mean, we had big bodies. They weren't huge, but they just ate people up. Um, 
early years, uh, you know, my 08 year, Matt Malele, um, who's not super tall. I think he's like 5'11", 6 foot, maybe. He's probably 6 foot. But, uh, you know, he probably played at like 320 and uh, was an absolute stud, um, eating people up on the inside. And then my year was Derek Hill who was a very good player. Um, Derek would have had a long NFL career uh, if his body wasn't so banged up. Um, he, he was an old man at a young age, but he was a great player when he was healthy, and he would dominate some, I think the SC lineman, uh, what the hell is his name, first-round pick center. But every year, Derek definitely got up for that game and abused that guy. And uh, But, uh, yeah, we had a couple guys, um, and it makes a huge difference in terms of when those interior guys are healthy and stopping the run. All right. Uh, we kind of covered um, the – the next thing I had was major improvements and keys that we wanted to do during the bye week. But um, – I think we kind of talked about it, but the next thing I kind of wanted to use to, to wrap up is the final six games of the season. Do you guys have a prediction? Um, are you guys still on cloud eight wins or um, in Andy's case, cloud nine wins? So um, just talk about the final six games of the season. Are you guys hoping to see a sweep of the three California schools? Uh, maybe get the ax back. What do you guys expect? And I'll uh, toss to Andy first again. Yeah. Uh, cloud, all right, let's just remember, Cloud9 wins is <laughs> eight regular season, one bowl game. So, all right, let's stick with it. I Even though I downgraded it anyway, so that it doesn't really matter. I've lost all credibility. Uh, four and two the rest of the year, right? Loss at, uh, at Utah. And, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to figure out another loss on the schedule. Every single game is winnable. I think we can beat Utah. I, uh, I happen to think that, like, everything will start to loosen up a little bit now that we're done with these, like, supremely talented defenses. So, 4-2 and two with the possibility of doing even more than that. Uh, I am surprisingly concerned about the Oregon State game just because of how last season played out when we had UCLA come in here and then just, like, completely got, you know, like basically got blown out. So, yeah, uh, four and two, eight regular season wins, four losses. Fan base is pretty stoked. Go into a, a really good bowl game and uh, and get a win there, and have some serious optimism going into the next year. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think every game is winnable. Um, you know, uh, that UCLA game last year was so weird. I don't even like try to pluck that one out of memory. Um, Utah is going to be interesting for me. Um, I heard they have a great atmosphere at their stadium, um, but they're pretty similar to us. They ugly up the game. Um, I know their offense has had a couple of good games, but I don't have complete confidence in their offense. And I think our defense will do a good job against them. So um, if we win the turnover battle in that game, I definitely think we win because I don't think they have the firepower that Oregon does. Um, but they are obviously stout against the run. Um, God, besides that, I mean, every game is winnable. And uh, I guess Stanford, um, and I don't know if that was just Washington having a bad game, but they looked pretty good. But I think we'll beat them this year um, and uh, step up to the plate there. And then uh, I hope we just end the year strong against UCLA because – 
Um, we haven't played great against them in the past few years, but um, I'd say eight wins is uh, definitely where we're going to be at. Um, maybe more. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic by week um, and improve. And I have a lot of confidence in this defense, keeping us in every single game. Um, so if we make a f few plays on offense, I think oh, every, every game is winnable. You heard it first here. We're going to eight wins from the two guys that know Cal football the best. Um, but I, we had a couple of addendum questions that we kind of wanted to, to talk about. I think my first one, I thought of this as we were talking, was um, you talked about you know the, the running backs that we have. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about the running backs you had when you in your playing days. You had some outstanding running backs behind you. When you, when you saw guys like, you know, well, I guess not really Forset, but you did you did play with Forset for a bit, and then you had Javid and you had Shane. Like, did you know how good those guys were going to be? Not only at Cal, but like the the pro careers that they had going forward. Yeah, that's uh, I explained my Cal career as a joke, being like I was really good at handing the ball off. Um, I think uh, you know going in and having when I redshirted, we have Marshawn. And I got to see him, and I think people know, remember, maybe remember, maybe not, but my dad was a coach uh, back up in Oregon. I remember calling my dad like that first week, being like, it's the biggest freak in the world. Um, but Justin Forsett played two games with him. You could tell he was a great player. And Javid and Shane, you knew first week there at school, they could have played as true freshmen. They were both great players as well. Just elusive speed, great vision, great receivers out of the backfield. And everybody knew all these guys were going to be stars. Um, especially, uh, um, I think like, you know, obviously spending more time with Javid and Shane, um, what they could do with good blocking well great blocking obviously they ran for over 200 yards a game but what they did with good sometimes average blocking in the run game they still created plays made lanes out of patience made lanes out of just breaking tackles um guys were incredible i mean i was pretty good at following plays and i'd get yelled at all the time with those guys because they're like what are you doing i was like Dude, you don't know what's going to happen they could run 90 yards or something like that i mean you need to go block but uh these guys uh all great and all great people as well and uh, loved playing with all of them who was your favorite person to play against like is there anyone that you forged a friendship with on the other side of the field Oof. I never really became friends with anybody on the other side of the field. Uh, I, I did love playing Vontez Perfect, though. Um, I, <laughs> I just remember, I think it was my junior year, they played Washington the week before, and he got kicked out for something, some bogus movie did, a locker or something like that. And I just remember the beginning of the game at Arizona State, my junior year, we drove down and scored, I think, first or second drive. And I was just talking shit to that guy the whole entire game, trying to, to freak him out get him some penalties get him kicked out of the game and uh i always enjoyed playing them because we always beat them as well so that was uh that was fun because that guy's a nut so that's amazing i think we could all see his nfl career kind of coming <laughs> when he was in college uh all right and then since we're playing osu next week uh do you want to walk us through the final like play of that OSU game and like what you saw and what was there? And um, yeah, I mean, feel free to just take us through play by play. I'd love to hear it. 
Uh, absolutely, the infamy. Um, <laughs> that that play. Um, I'll go back. I mean, first off, besides the last play, great game. Coming back as a team, um, played really well that game. Besides that last play as well. Um, but what we did, um, we did a bunch of formation to the left, and all week we practiced it with Deshaun running the point um, on the play. So Deshaun, I think the play before got hurt or stayed down after a PI call or something like that, um, I believe, or maybe it was two plays before. But uh, Sam Desaw came in and play kind of got bunched up at the beginning. Um, we had like kind of like a little high-low um, over the backer in the safety. And then if people remember the game at all, I was making plays – the entire game scrambling. I think I threw the ball a couple times and I was getting sacked and we had positive plays. Um, but initially just stepped up in the pocket, just working the pocket thinking I'm just going to roll out left, um, get going, try and see a guy. We had a, uh, Rob Jordan had a corner route. I was just thinking maybe I'll just throw it to him, throw it away and, uh, got caught moving too far. And then their linebacker kind of just, was chasing me when I was rolling out left. And then you, that's where you go through all the motions where it starts going quick, where you're like, shit, did I go over the line of scrimmage? What are the rules? Can I throw it away? Like, can I break the tackle and maybe get by him? Um, and I just got stuck in a situation where you could see the immature, um, not playing enough, even though you play in high school, like played my whole entire life since I was 10 years old, but I've never had a play in that situation. Um, and I think with making those plays all game, I mean, I just got stuck where I should have just initially gone read one, throw away, and us kick a field goal and go to overtime and win the game. And, uh, and uh, yeah, just tried to make a play where I was making plays all all game, including that drive. And uh, it was definitely a bummer. That one hurt. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the team rallied around me. They were great, though. I think the team knew as well that we probably wouldn't have been in that position without some of the, the plays during the game that uh, I helped create. So, yeah. Yeah, my immediate, uh, my immediate takeaway also like by the way that's amazing uh love the breakdown and just to hear i uh all of that is is incredible but i think my immediate takeaway from that game when i turned to my buddy was at the right before the end of the second quarter we had a kickoff after i think we had scored um and we had i believe we kicked it out of bounds and oregon state got the ball you know wherever it was advanced to like 35 or 40 yard line. And then, uh, and then they drove down and I swear like under a minute and kicked a field goal. And the whole time I was turning to my buddy, I was like, that's going to come back. You know, it's going to come back and you, you don't have that play. You're already in field goal position and you know, hopefully you make the field goal and you win the game. So uh, yeah, I'm, you were the last thing on my mind after that game. There were a lot of other plays that I think, uh, impacted the outcome of the game before that happened and as you said you played a great game up until that point so yeah that one uh it's tough because i think every cal fan in the history of the world was at that game when they meet me but um it's uh it was tough we had so many chances i think we got stopped four plays in a row on the one yard line in the third quarter and uh i mean you can go to any, any game you've ever played in life and look at where you could do it but you know if i threw the ball away we still got to make the field goal and win. And, uh, I think we do that, but 
good life lesson. That was a uh, adversity at a young age, and uh, and uh, probably learned more from that moment in life than I have most. So. I guess, uh, you know, great learning. <laughs> Wish it went the other way, but uh, it's, it's, it's helped me in terms of life as well. Awesome. Uh, that's, I mean, when Andy and I approached uh, you asking if you could come on the podcast, we, we, were, we talked about it quite a bit. We're like, should, or should we ask him? Like, you know, is he okay with asking? And, you know, you were, you were great. Um, you were, like, more than happy to talk about it. And, you know, it, this, was, this was awesome. Uh, this was a great time. Thank you, Kevin, for your time coming out, um, talking to us via the internet on a Monday night. But uh, we hope uh, we hope to see you at a game at some point this season, um, and then maybe also uh, come out on the podcast. Maybe at the end of the year, uh, we can you can help us out with a you know a, a wrap up podcast as well. But you've been an amazing guest, and arguably our first like real guest because most of the guys we've had our, you know, friends or writers of the site. So it, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Um, appreciate it. Love talking about Cal football. Um, and, uh, let me know where your tailgates at for the Oregon state game. I'll be there. So looking, looking forward to seeing you guys and watching the bears win a bunch of games in a bowl game. I appreciate that. And as always go bears, go bears. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.